a study of the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians, in its wholeness, is what I would call practical holiness. How, how does my life, in light of what the world throws at me, how does my life respond and react the attitude and actions of my, my soul? And uh, we are in a text right now, a, a context of verses 17 through 34, the conclusion of chapter 11. And um, I'm, I'm just going to pick up verses 17 through 22 because I, I've got a lot to share with you this morning. Okay, and we're dealing with the perversion of the Lord's table celebration. And I have a lot of scripture to share this morning. And um, I'm going to, if, if for some reason you didn't get the scripture I gave you, just raise your hand or blurt it out or something. I didn't get that one because I'm going to try, I'm trying to rem, remind myself to repeat it several times so that everybody, if they can't turn to it, they'll at least write it down and do their homework. Uh, so I'm going to read verses 17, 17 through 22, review quickly, and just we are going to dive headlong into this bugger. All right, verse 17. <clears throat> but in giving this instructions, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I do not praise you. Father, I'd ask that you would teach, that you would open our eyes, our souls, our hearts, that we may hear. And Father, that it is not an eye they hear, that your word would be revealed to each of these precious souls. And Father, we would draw upon this to your glory and praise. In Christ's name, amen. Church in Corinth is struggling. They are in a lost society as every church that exists on the planet Earth until the catching up of the bride of Christ. And yet, what has happened to the church in Corinth has happened to you and I. Instead of us affecting our society, our society has affected us. And that's why I started in 1 Corinthians, because my passion is to teach 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians is ministry. How do you minister? But if you don't have the first part right, you don't have to worry about the second part. And I'll show it to you here in this text. In this text. I know a lot of people right now who are serving, but they serve themselves in the name of Christ. All right, here's why I say that. Last week we looked at this, I laid kind of a theme, uh, an overview of what we're going to be dealing with. But last week we looked at Acts chapter 2 and I showed you what the church was. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then what is the church? It's his body. Is it not his manifestation? It should be the same yesterday, today, and forever. The church, if you look at it in Acts chapter 2, you see it birthed and it basically shows 
what I call four distinctions that the church, the four foundational cornerstones that the church exists in. You cannot change these. Right? One, they were gathered together all the time on the apostles' doctrine. They were studying doctrine. God, what a nasty thought, huh? We're sitting around studying theology. Okay? We're supposed to do that where? In the church. Not the Bible colleges. Not the seminaries. Not the things that man has manifested. You know, people ask me, what about seminary? Well, I don't have a problem with it, but I'm going to use the illustration that I know of. Eat the meat, throw away the bones. Okay? The problem is, if you're not discerning enough to go into the seminary, do you really know which one's the bones and which one's the meat? Too many people go into seminary thinking they're going to get theology. If you go to seminary or Bible college, make sure your theology is intact. Okay? And you live what you believe. Because I guarantee you will get aberrant teaching in seminary. Guaranteed. Bible college. Why? Who's teaching it? Okay? Please. Uh, the church gathered together. It literally says daily for what? The teaching of the apostles. They also had to came together because they had a, what they call a fellowship service. It's a combination word. Koinonia is the base root word. That means that I'm involved in your life in such a way that you mean something to me. Okay? If I'm involved in your life in that way, then it is very simple for me to serve you. And vice versa. Okay? I've seen it in this church. I've been in this church for 18 years. Okay? I've been a senior pastor for 11 years. And I've helped people move. I've gone to the birthing of children. I've gone to weddings. I've gone to funerals. I've changed the oil in people's cars. I've put brakes on. I've helped dig holes. I've helped dig... And the reason that I do that is because I know you. Okay? And there is a service that comes out of it. Now, the next time that people move to the third floor apartments, we're going to struggle. Okay? We know who we're talking about because I'm thinking that you're pushing grace too far. Okay, but there is a fellowship. If you are exposed to the doctrine of God, who he is, who his mindset is, the natural outflowing of that is what? Love, fellowship, serving. Why? What did he show you? What did he show you? After that, they partook of the Lord's table. Daily, coming together for the Lord's table. You know what that is? It isn't the little cracker and cup thing. Okay, that's how we do it. But the truth of the matter is, I am coming in unity and communion with the saints of God at the foot of the cross. That's what it's for. It is to refocus everything that the life has thrown at you. And you come down and you say, I am absolutely one with Jesus Christ. I am so one, it's me on that cross. It's me on that cross. And I am in the blood of a new covenant. Not my blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. And when I come into the Lord's table, yes, it's, a, it's an ordinance that is commanded by God. But the truth of the matter is, it should bring your focus in that you are communing, you are one with Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, Romans 6 says that I have been baptized into his death. Okay, I've been immersed. I've literally been changed into his death. Okay, who got up out of the grave? 
He did. You didn't. So when I come to the cross, guess what? I can look at the cross and say, it is Christ in me, the hope of glory. And it re- it just trashes everything around me. I don't have to worry about the stuff around me. I don't have to worry about who's doing what, who's mad at me today. I don't have to worry about my job. I don't have to worry about my wife. I don't have to worry about my kids. I don't have to worry about my education because I am one with the creator and sustainer of the universe. The natural outflowing of that in the body of Christ would be prayer. Prayer. I shared with you last week when I was in Russia last spring. My brother came to me and said, I want you to pray. We Our prayer meetings, people aren't coming faithfully. He says, we have 233 people in our church. And I can only get 175 people to come out and pray. And I said, I ain't praying for that. No, just, <laughs> pray for us. I can't get five. Okay. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? That is church. And yet, by the mid-50s, Okay, I'm not talking 1950s. I'm talking mid-50s. Corinth was having a problem. Why? They were distracted. What were the problems? I'm going to quickly touch a couple of these because it just plays into what we're doing. Chapter 1, verse 10 says this. I exhort you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but you be made complete in the same mind and the same judgment. You know what happens? If I get my theology from where? The body of Christ. Guess what happens? We're all the same. We're all the same. We're unified. Why? Because, brother, we have gathered together and we have reasoned from the Scriptures together. We have reasoned from the Scriptures together. Verse 12 says this. I mean... Now, I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? You see that today, we have personality cults. That's what I call it. That's what it is. I'm more interested in the personality. You know, I love to hear Chuck Swindoll laugh. You ever heard him laugh? I mean, it is hilarious. I'm thinking that's got to be like a divine laugh thing. Okay? But I see people say, well, you don't teach like Chuck Swindoll. Well, he's short and fat. I've met him. He is. I was bummed out. It was sort of, gosh, you look like a Baptist preacher. Okay. Um, I met Dr. MacArthur. Dr. MacArthur is a big man. He paid middle linebacker in AA school, college. He is a big man. He shakes your hand. You're like, oh, I hope he gives me that back. He's, he's a big person. All right, but there are some who are of John. I am of Swindoll. But if you don't do it in the precept manners, I am of precepts. Give me a break, people. He says, I have given gifts to men and then given gifted men to the body of Christ. And we get tied up in it. What was happening there? They were running into personalities. I'm more interested. I'm a Paul. And then you get the spiritual giants. But I am of Christ. Those are the ones you just want to smack in love, in love. Okay, you just want to take them outside. Why? Because they're trying to throw their piety at us. Right. Chapter three, verse three. Why were they doing this? Why was this happening? You're still fleshly. You're still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not? Walking like mere men. 
Okay? Chapter 6, verse 1. Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous? They were suing each other. They were having litigation against each other. Okay? Paul says, I can't praise you. Paul says, I can't praise you. I have no ability to praise you. Why? You're divisive. Listen, think about this for a second. I shared this last week. Okay? Is the Lord's table a priority in your life? I mean, do you look and say, okay, here's the calendar and we have the Lord's table on the first Sunday of every month. I'm going to make sure that I set that one aside. Why? So I can commune with God and the brothers and sisters that He's placed around me. Why? See, when I come to the Lord's table, that is the single greatest picture of unity that exists on the planet Earth. You got that? You got that? Let me express it to you. Go to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Gospel of John, chapter 17. That'd be to the left. To the left. The Gospel of John, chapter 17. You've heard of the prayer of Jabez? This is a prayer of Jesus. Well, it is. First part of this prayer, he says, Return me to the glory that I had before creation. That's when he's praying for the Father. Okay, second, middle section of this prayer, he prays for the disciples who are in the upper room with him. And he says, you're going to have to sanctify them truth. They need to understand that the world hated me first and they're going to hate you. Okay, you need to strengthen them, Lord. You need to understand it. What is really cool, this comes out of chapter 13, which is called the uh, chapter 13 through 17 is the upper room discourse. I want to show, keep that in your mind for a second. Keep that in your mind for a second. Because he teaches them 13, 14, 15, 16. Then in chapter 17, he says, God, Father, make it real to them. Why, the fire's getting ready to crank up, and I'll show you why. But I want to show you something here in verse 20. Okay? Verse 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. Okay, that would be the group gathered in the upper room. But for those who will believe in me through their word. You know who that is? That's you and me. That's you and me. So what would he pray for you and me? What's he praying for you and me? What would Jesus Christ pray for you and me? Look at verse 21. That they may all, what? Be one. Okay, well, that's cool. We're gathered together on Sunday morning. We're one. Uh-uh. He qualifies it. Okay, he qualifies it. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. You know what he's saying? I want the oneness that I have with the Father to be the oneness in the church. Can okay, I let me ask you a question? You see that? Jesus didn't get his prayer answered? Oh yeah, he got it answered. Not only that, it works. It works. Okay? But when you take the four cornerstones out of the church... That I just showed you, what do you have? Flesh. 
flesh rises up, and I can do it better. I watched pastors come into Castle Rock. We had uh, 40, we were up to 49 churches. We're back down to 46 churches. And I tell these guys when I meet with them, I said, let me tell you something. Castle Rock is not for the faint-hearted. Well, I know that. Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, I've been here for a long time. All right? And I see pastors in their arrogance literally believe that they know how to do it and the people who are there don't. And they can sit and tell me, oh, I don't believe that. Then why aren't you coming into the body of Christ and uniting with what exists and strengthen that? Paul, now let's be realistic. You think Paul could plant a church? Huh? You think Paul, you know, he probably had the right music people with him. He probably had the right system with him and all the rest of it. He could get a bugger to go, couldn't he? I mean, he could build a church. I mean, he was right there, got her done, right? But do you know that when he wrote the letter to the church in Rome, he says, I don't want to come and add to you. I want to come and bear fruit with you. I don't want to make the second Baptist church of Rome. I want to come and be a part of what exists and plug in. You strengthen me, I strengthen you, and we bear fruit together. What happened to us? What happened to us? Now then, the context of that prayer that I just showed you is do you know what happens after he gets done saying this? He leaves the upper room. He goes across the Kidron Valley. He goes up on the Mount of Olives. And shortly thereafter, he's arrested, tried, and murdered. What you have in 13, 14, 15, 16, his prayer in 17, is that the conclusion of what you and I know as the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is set. It is hanging on this that says when you come and you partake of the bread, when you come and you partake of the cup, you are partaking in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that you should be united as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one and yet separate entities. That's the picture of the Lord's table. When you take the Lord's table, it isn't this little cup and, oh, it's an afterthought. We should do this on the sometime. No, you're saying, I am unified with these people. These people and I are one. Why? Because I want the world to believe who is drawing us together. Think about how many things we try to do to win the world. Think about it. We become like them so we can what? Win them? He says, so that the world may believe that you sent me. What does that mean? They are so one in such a bizarre, eclectic group of people. You didn't know I could say that, did you? A group of people that it is... I just look at this group that's here today, and we come from every span of life. Some are from church backgrounds. Some are not. Some are intellectual, some are not. Some are laborers, some are thinkers, some are planners, some are technicians. Just in this small group. And yet we draw together in one. Two things I've amazed, two churches, two large churches that I've been a part of in my life. One is Grace Community out in California. The other one is uh, Hoffmantown uh, down in uh, New Mexico. Well, and the other one is Bellevue out in Memphis where the Olfords attend. I, got in, I have gone into those churches... Okay, and 
literally felt like family instantaneously. I'm not a people person. How does that work? We're all united on the same principle. What's that? This is the Word of God. This is everything I need for life and godliness. Okay? Let us sit down and reason together from the Scriptures. And we unite. Why? That's where the Father is. See, when you see that prayer in John 17, and you see it, it's at the end of Him setting in place what you and I, the fulfilling of the Passover meal and the institution of the new covenant in His blood. He's saying, understand, there is a oneness that comes out of that when you are communing at my table. At my table. That's good stuff, people. That ought to just freak you out because you want to jump up and slap somebody. Everybody says, well, who do you want to slap? Stand up. <laughs> Take a number. Why? We are unified. Listen, do you understand? I don't need to go make unity. All I have to do is preserve it in the bonds of peace. Why do we, oh, we want to go make unity? I don't want to be unified with some of these people. I don't even want to act like I'm related to them. Okay, it's sort of like, have you ever seen when something controversial comes on the air and they want to get a moral view, so they go get some church leader, stick a microphone in, and they find these morons that I don't even know where you get these people, and they ask them some stupid question, and of course, I think God's going to rain far down on Orlando because Disney World is having Homosexual Day. What? I, I, I just sit there and go, where do we find these people? Okay? And if somebody asks me, are you a Christian? I like that. <laughs> I like Disneyland. Okay, uh, see, listen, if, if the Lord's table isn't a priority in your life, you should question your commitment to obedience. You should question your, your commitment to obedience. Because the Lord's table is coming together saying, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I am under the blood of a new covenant. The Corinthians had corrupted the Lord's table. They had made it a thing of self-indulgence. Um, I shared with you last week the love feast. They had a love feast that the Jews had brought in culturally. And they'd come together at the Lord's table. And immediately after the, the love feast, they'd come together. The first potluck. They'd come together right after that. They'd have the Lord's table. And then you will see that they literally gave in to preaching. And they turned it into a, a party, a time of decadence, a time of, uh, of, of self-centeredness instead of selflessness. They turned it into something that brought emphasis to them. Now, let me tell you something. If you do not think, go back to your text there in Corinthians 11. If you do not think the Lord's table is important, well, you know, it's, it's sort of like baptism. You can kind of do it. You don't want to do it. And do, do, do. Let me tell you something. Jesus commanded it, and his life was the example of it, whether it's the baptism or whether it's the Lord's table. Okay? But I want you to look at something because um, verse 30 of 11 says, For this reason, many of you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. Word sleep there means dead. Okay? For what reason? 
not taking seriously the Lord's table. Now, let me tell you something. If God is making people sick, if God is making people weak, and if God is killing people for the way they're doing the Lord's table, sounds to me like he's making it serious. I mean, it's, it's like on the top things to pay attention to. And that is what we need to pay attention to. Listen, there were rich, rich people in Corinth and poor people in Corinth. How much greater would that be to bring them in the oneness of the Lord's table? But the rich people were coming early and not telling the poor people they were coming and having this big pig roast. And then when they got there, all's left as ham hocks. And the, they were literally on a social status saying, your money, you don't have no money, don't come and eat my food. They were literally where God said there is no divisions. They were literally building walls to cause division. Verse 33 of this text says, So brother, when you come together, wait for one another. It's not that, I mean, I, I, I read that and I think, duh. Okay. When you come together, wait for one another. Listen, verse 34, if any is hungry... Let them eat at home. Listen, if you're coming just because you're hungry, eat at home. Eat at home. You're not to come just because I'm going to get a meal out of it. You're to come because you're identifying with the oneness that Jesus Christ has brought to mankind. That's amazing stuff. Uh, it, it should be a social occasion that obliterates differences. I mean, you should be able to take a slave and a master and bring them to the Lord's table and they'd be one. Not one over the other. It should be that way here. Right now in this room. It shouldn't be that, well, Terry's got the Bible and all that. No, we're one. We are one. I don't have a ministry separate from you. But you know what? You don't have a ministry separate from me. We're one. They come together. Look what he says, verse 17. I do not praise you. No, I, I want to read you something here because this just blows me away. You come together not for the better, but for the worst. Do you get what he just said there? He's saying going to church with these guys is the worst thing you can do. Do you get that? Hebrews chapter 10 says, Do not forsake the assembly together, which is the habit of many, but gather together to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Okay, these people were not stimulating love and good deeds. They were stimulating division. You're better off if you'd have stayed at home. Why? If you stayed at home, you won't be so destructive. A church that is better off if no one came. That's what Paul's saying, verse 17. He says, I can't praise you for this. Well, duh. Okay, the worst thing these Corinthians could do in their spiritual lives was to gather together. That's what Paul's saying. Listen, that's funny, but I got news for you. I've seen that. I have seen that. So I, I want you to grab that because in verse 17, he begins to rebuke, and that rebuke goes all the way through chapter 14. He hasn't stopped. Okay? He's rebuking the assembly because they misused the Lord's table, but you'll also see that they misused their spiritual gifts. Okay? And it, listen, if you look at 12, 13, and 14, it's dealing with spiritual gifts. The issue there is self-indulgence. What's the issue at the Lord's table? 
Self-indulgence. What was the issue in chapter 3? Self-indulgence. What was the issue in chapter 1? Self-indulgence. Our Sunday school class, I'm teaching on the single... Be a, be a warned about what the Pharisees did. Why? They were self-indulgent. It's all about me. It's all about my piety. Look how spiritual I am. I can use great big words. Okay, I know these terms. I know this kind of Christianity. I know how to do this. I know how to... You know, I've been sitting around wondering if a trichotomous dispensationalist would be prone to Gnosticism. Okay, and everybody sits there and goes, What? And I know the answer to it. No. <laughs> okay, but i got to be honest with you. It took me two years to figure out what in the world was asked. All right? But see, I see people who do that. Look what he says next. Okay, verse 18. For in the first place, when you come together, note what he says next. You've got to get a hold of this. It's ecclesia. Okay? Called out ones. Church, you translate it. When you come together as a church, he's not talking about board members. He's not talking about a secular group. He's not talking about anything. So when you come together as a church, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are schismata among you. Schisms. Okay, there's differences of opinion there. Okay, this is America. Well, you know, I, I thought he did a good job, but I just disagree with him. And, you know, I think he should have touched on this and probably should have done that over here and go this. And how many people can I get over here to, to agree with me? Okay, I want to get these people over here because I don't believe that. Listen, if you got something that you think that I taught wrong, I beg you, tell me. I must give an account for what I've taught in the body of Christ. I've got to stand before the throne of Jesus Christ. And if I get it wrong, I really do, really, really do want to know that I got it wrong. I do not need you to go over and start a faction someplace. I literally, when I took this pulpit, had a group who literally started teaching in Sunday school that they should not go up and confirm me as pastor and hear my preaching, and they were trying to get their Sunday school classes to leave and not come to the worship service. Ministry's a blast if it wasn't for the people. Okay? Listen, there is schismato. There is differences here, differences of opinion. Some of your translations may have translated it heresy. Think King James translates it heresy. There is a division among the people. John's Gospel, chapter 4, or chapter 7, verse 43. John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 43, and chapter 9, verse 16, said that there were schismatos among the people over who Jesus was. Okay, that context of both of those verses are dealing with the fact that some says he's of God and some says that he is not of God. The people had opinions and there was differing opinions about the person of Jesus Christ. Instead of unifying, instead of uniting and fellowshipping, all they were doing was arguing, quarreling, backbiting. Okay, you have rich and poor. They were divided. Some were coming for the, the love feast and they weren't telling the poor people and they'd come and they'd be hungry. You had, I'm of Paul. I'm of Paulus. I'm of Cephas people. Okay. And, and you know what's amazing about that text? They all taught the same. They didn't teach, Apollos didn't teach something different than Paul or Cephas or Christ. They all taught the same. And yet, personalities. Personalities. 
You join yourselves, he says. Join yourselves. Be of the same mind. Be of the same judgment. Be of the same understanding and opinion. Listen, if I'm wrong and I teach something wrong, come and tell me, but let me tell you something before you come. I don't need your opinion. Okay? If you think I've taught something wrong based on the Word of God, bring me the Word of God and let us reason together, brother and sister, over the Word of God. That's where we get into trouble. Why? When you bring your opinion, who's leading? <coughs> your problem is, is you're fleshly. I can't speak to you spiritually. You're bringing me your opinion. I feel. Great, so do I. I smack my finger with a hammer, I feel. And I have an opinion about it. Okay? And I'll bet you what? I can make sure it's based on truth. <coughs> Speak the same things. What is our attitudes? Do nothing from vain conceit or selfish ambition, but consider what? Others more important than yourself. Others more important than yourself. Instead, the church in Corinth and many that I see today, they come together and they fight over anything and everything. And I mean, you know, uh, I thought he should have had a sport coat on. I thought he should have had a tie on. I can't believe he was wearing those shoes. He should have been doing this thing here. I can't believe. You don't sound like he was mad at me. You know what? Maybe I was. But Paul told the church in Corinth, I can't speak to you as spiritual. Why? You're fleshly. I've got to speak to you as mere men. You don't understand it. <coughs> you're saved. You're indwelt with the spirit of the living God. And yet you're allowing your flesh to be the controlling institute in your life. You've been bought and paid for the price. You're not your own. You are no longer to a master who is the father of lies. You are now a master who is truth incarnate. Incarnate. Walking in the flesh will cause divisions. Let me tell you something. You know what bothers me, I think, the most this day and age? Walking in the flesh causes no Christians fear this day. It doesn't cause them any fear. Christianity Today has a new article that this month's Christianity Today, and it says reestablishing church discipline. And I thought, what? Christianity Today is writing about what? Church, and I'm afraid to read the article. What is the right? Oh my, no, couldn't be. Okay, do you see church discipline isn't for kicking people out of church? I wish we'd get that through our. Head. Church discipline is taking that soul and restoring the relationship that they've severed with Jesus Christ. That's church discipline. Let me tell you something. You discipline somebody in a church today, so what? Nine out of ten or eleven out of ten times, they won't be around for the discipline. And they're just going to go to the church over here. We have had to exercise it in this church, and I had a man that refused to repent, and he left. He went to the East Coast. Well, I'm unrelenting. I found out where he was going to church on the East Coast, and I called his pastor up and said, this man left his wife, is committing adultery, and you need to be aware of it. Then I washed my hands out of it. Why? He's not under my guidance anymore. Okay, and there was, well, you can get sued for slander. What was slanderous about that? He did. Everything he did, he did. 
Why? I wasn't concerned about that. I was concerned. I wasn't even concerned that he left his wife. I was concerned that he was taking the name of Jesus Christ. And he was shaming him before mankind. His sin, as David said, was against God. It was manifest in his marriage. They were dividing over it. Things. See, you sit down at the table to have a common meal, to commune, to have a common life, to commune with God. And it was so obvious they were fractured. They were fractured. Verse 20 says, you meet together and it's not to eat the Lord's table. You're coming together and you're remembering the celebration, but truthfully, you're not eating the Lord's table. Why? How can you have factions if you're coming to the Lord's table? I mean, let's be realistic. Death, every man is equal. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how poor you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. I don't care how tall, how short, how wide, how... I don't, it doesn't matter, does it? At death, it doesn't really matter to us, does it? We're all equal. And at the death of the cross, guess what? We're all equal. We already looked at it. We just came out of God's design, didn't we? We're all dependent on one another. We have different roles in the body of Christ. Absolutely. But we all pray. We all prophesy. They were mocking the whole things. Look what he says in verse 19. The word that you see there, we're going to do a word study. Three words out of verse 19. You ready for this? Because I'm dealing with perversions of the Lord's table. And I want you to pay real close attention to this. Okay? There must be factions. King James translates that heresy, doesn't he? Maybe if you ain't got King James. Okay? It's heresy. Okay? And everybody says, heresy? I don't know. There's supposed to be heresy in the church? Um, he writes it. Now look what he says in verse 19. Because this, this, I'll tell you what, I wrestled with this bugger for a while. There must also be factions, and I'll deal with it because it's translated heresies. I'll show you the word. Among you, so that those who are proved may become evident among you. Wait a minute, Paul. You're telling me I want heresy in the church for what reason? Okay, no, he said it has to be in there. Has to be there. Listen, the word in the original language, it's translated, I think, King James's heresies, is a choosing, it's a choice of a group who will hold to a given opinion. Okay? In the gospel record, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's described, the same word is translated sects. Okay? There was the sect of the Pharisees. There was the sect of the Zealots. There was the sect of the Sadducees. Okay? It's a group of people who will hold to an opinion. Okay? Pharisees believed in the resurrection. Sadducees didn't. Okay? It doesn't have to be bad. Okay, but it doesn't mean that it's good. All right. In Acts chapter 24, you'll see that there was a sect of the Nazarenes. Okay, that was the followers of that Nazarene guy, Jesus. Okay, so the word that is translated heresies or faction in and of itself is a neutral word. Okay, but the context tells me whether it's good or bad. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, Galatians 5, 20, it refers to one of the works of the flesh as factions. That would be a bad thing. 
Okay? Factions. It's selfish. It's contentious. It's self-centered. It's factious. Um, you may know it as cliques. Cliques. Contention factious. Okay? Where? In the church. Okay? Look what he says now. This, it, For there must also be these, he says. Now, wait a minute, Paul. In chapter 1, verse 10, you said, I want you to be of one mind. I want you to be in unity and judgment. And, and Make up your mind, dude. Okay? If the factions are supposed to be in there, then what? what's up? Okay? Let me ask you a question. Are we looking for people to take on the ministry of splitting things? But you know what? I know people who are gifted at it. Okay? Factions are there. Let me tell you something. I've been in this church as a senior pastor for over 11 years. I've been in this church way too long, probably. And I have never seen this church at a time where there weren't people who were causing factions ever since I've been in this church. Okay? And I can read this and say, well, that's a good thing. Okay? I didn't know you had the spiritual gift of division. Okay? All right, now I want to show you something. Now look what he says, because this is where we get into these funny word things. <clears throat> there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Okay? There must be. All right, that's what it says. There is, it is necessary. That's the word... D, it's a participle in the New Testament, okay? D, D-E-I is how it's pronounced, or how it's transliterated, okay? <clears throat> in many uh, of its uses, this word D, it singles out something that is necessary because of the will of God. Got it? All right? It was D that Jesus suffered and died and rise again, rose again, okay? It was Necessary. It was mandatory. It was the will of God that this took place. Um, uh, it was necessary that he go, that I go up to Jerusalem. Okay, it's it's D. It uh, you find it again and again and again. It connected that Jesus must do it because it is the will of God. Okay. Take this back to this text, and it says there must be factions among you. There must be. It is necessary that there's factions among you. Why? In that context, it's because God is doing something. Right? D. God is doing something. There must be these schisms. There must be these heresies, these opinionated people. There must be there. Why? Because God's doing something. God's doing something. Alright? Now listen... I have tried my best, and I know the text, in as much as it is up to you, be at peace with all people. Okay? That there will wear you out. Okay? Because there's some people who do not have the spiritual gift of peace, nor do they want peace, and they want to show it to you and make sure that you're aware that they don't want to be at peace, they don't want to be happy, and they don't want you to be happy. Okay? What is God doing when you run into those kind of people? Easy. He's approving certain people. And he's making it manifest. He, he wants you to see it. 
Okay? Because when a problem arises, factions will arrive. I don't care what it is. Uh, we've, we've discussed, uh, you know, um, man, I can just go through the history of this church. <laughs> okay? And it's one thing after the other. You know, do we change our church name? Do we do this? Do we do that? Do we do this? Do we do that? You know what? Some people just don't like change. Okay? They will arrive. But you know what? When I find division, when I find factions, when I find these groups of opinionated people, you will also find the good ones, the dependable ones. Okay? Let me show you the word here. Those who are approved. Okay? Approved. Remember this word. You'll love this word. Dokimoi. Good word. Dokimoi. Dokimoi. I love that word. I just, it's easy to say too. Okay, Dokimoi, the approved. It literally means the tested the gold and it has come out pure. The Dokimoi, the approved, the purified. Why? The fire of the refiner came upon it and now I've got pure gold. It is the Dokimoi. The Dokimoi. Listen, um, here's what Linsky said. Evil is necessary to manifest good, unquote. What? Well, let me tell you something. When the opinionated people come in, it will manifest your character, your personality, or it'll manifest Christ. Got that? When you don't know who the peacemaker is, somebody's going to come along and reveal them to you. Because the peacemaker's are not evident unless there's something to make peace over. Right? You don't know who the people are who will show the love of the church, the love in the church, unless you know how they have related to the people who don't want to show the love in the church. Get that? Those who will stand in the overwhelming love of Jesus Christ, regardless of what happens, are not seen unless there's somebody who refuses to stand in that love. You cannot manifest the love of Christ if you're doing it. If I have died to myself, how can you offend me? How can you hurt me? You're going to hurt my feelings? You're going to call me a name? Okay? I have literally had people who could not find a sin in my life, who could not find false teaching in my life, so let's just accuse. Let's just accuse. Of what? Well, we don't know. Okay, what would be my response? Easy. Shoot them. <laughs> it's obvious you don't want to be a part of the church. Let's send you on to glory. Okay, what's your response? Let me tell you something. If you don't think they ain't coming, you're crazy. You are crazy. Because you walk with Christ and you manifest Christ, you get one or two responses. And there's no neutral. You walk with Christ, they're either going to say, I want what you got. How can I get it? Or how can I get you out of my life, out of anywhere around me? 
And what you will find, especially in 2 Corinthians, if I can't discredit the man's ministry, if I can't discredit the, what God has done, let me discredit the man. Why? Because God says, now watch this. God says that man is Dokimoid. That man is approved. But he ain't having any fun. I didn't say he's going to have any fun. This is troubles just like smoke. It just rises up. Right? In this life, you will have tribulation. Let me show you something. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter 2. Everybody go there. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter 2. This is really good. Verse 4. Here's Dokimoid. Dokimoid. I love that word. I'm going to be Dokimoid. It's like... Where I want to part my moid or something. Dokimoid. Chapter 2, verse 4. Okay? I want to show you something here. Because <clears throat> practically unto me, I struggle with this. I've always get people in the church. I see people come to church. I kind of invest in them. They kind of hang on the fringes sometimes. You ever seen them? You know what I'm talking about? Those who are out there and they're just sitting there kind of doing one of these. Dun, 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 dun. And they stand out there on the edge. And I come on Sunday morning. Then they find out, well, the preacher may be teaching a Bible study. Maybe I'll go to that Bible study. But they stand out there on the edge, and you look at them, and you find out something about them. You get to know them a little more. You get to know a little more about their lives and their backgrounds and stuff like that. And immediately in my head, I start thinking, how can they serve the body of Christ, and how can we use this person in the abilities that God has given them? Okay? And inevitably, God uses that person to come up and stick a knife in my back and say, hey, does this feel good? Do you feel like I'm being used? Okay? Let me show you something here. This goes against our society today. Verse 4, chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians. But just as we have been docimoid by God, who approved Paul? God did. Look what he said. To what? To be entrusted with the gospel. Now, let me ask you a question. Did the Apostle Paul have anything in his life that would have proved his medal, that would have shined brighter so that God says, I can trust him with the gospel? Just his life. Shipwrecked, left three days in the deep, stoned, left for dead, beaten by rods 39 times by his fellow people, danger in the country, danger in the city. Okay. Had Satan didn't want him to go back to Thessalonica. Um, the Holy Spirit didn't want him to go to Bithynia. <laughs> I mean, everywhere he went, he was being proved, wasn't he? I mean, literally, if you look at the Apostle Paul, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, tribe of Benjamin, and now the Jews hated him. He had persecuted the church, and the church was, I'm not sure about this dude. So you literally had a man who had no people. Had no people. And God gave him the church. Because he says, I've taken you out of everything that you are secure in, and now I'm going to put you right smack dab in the middle of the Gentiles, and you are not qualified, Paul. And guess what? I'm going to turn the fire on, and you are going to be so glowing in my goldenness that I can now trust you with my gospel. Here's one of the things I struggle with. I see people, and God, you know, and I told you this many times. Over my ministry, God has taken me from caring for people to loving people. Okay? 
And it just, oh, what a pain. But anyway, he's taking me in that position. He's taking me, here's caring for people. And I care, I care, I care. And he says, but I want you to love. But I don't want to love that one. He says, I don't care. <laughs> All right. So here I am. I'm over here now. And I'm in this love thing. And I'm thinking, boy, we're having a love fest now. This is just, and I keep seeing people. And I keep always looking at them saying, here is their potential in the body of Christ. And Jesus says, quit looking at that. Because how do you know I have not brought that person in? into your life to test your mettle so that I can entrust you with my gospel. That's proved. Dokimoi. How many people have you seen in your life in Christ who want a ministry and they've never passed the test? What are you going to do when they accuse you? What are you going to do when they argue with you? What are you going to do? Why? Because God says, they'll be apparent. You'll see them. It is in adversity. It's in struggle. It's in contentious. It's in strife. It's in backbiting. It's in gossiping. It's in all of the stuff that the world produces in men's flesh that will show the true leadership in the body of Christ. True godly people walking in that spirit-filled place will rise to the top when the, the division comes. It's visible to everybody. It's seen. You know why? <laughs> I'm going to share this illustration. Okay, this is personal illustration. That's been kind of a tough two years for me. I had somebody come up to me uh, in, in some adversity. And their comment, they, they, were, they were literally attacking me behind my back. Okay, and so when I would ask them, oh, no. Okay, and so then all of a sudden somebody else would come around and... Yeah. So anyway, two of them decided they would come and meet with me and express themselves. And they did tell me that they had prayed. They wanted this to be a... Uh, what do they call it? Anyway, a restoration time. And all of this other stuff. And when you hear that kind of stuff, you're like, yeah, okay. That means I'm going to get crucified and you're going to love it. But it, it, it just, they're, they're coming in and they came in and all the rest of it. And this is one of their comments. Okay, very, they had caused factions. They had caused division. They had caused a lot of stuff happening. And the question was, they looked me in the eye and says, would John MacArthur do this? <laughs> me being spirit-filled man that I am, I looked at him, I said, would John MacArthur do what you're doing? Why? Let me take you to another text. Okay? 2 Thessalonians. Or no, not 2 Thessalonians. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Timothy, 2 Timothy is discipling, okay? Uh, we want to go to chapter 2. Is that right? Yeah, chapter 2. Verse 23 is sort of your context. I want you to look at it. All right. Second <clears throat> Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. Refuse foolish and ignorant, ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. You know what that is? Factions. Schismaza. We're just nah, 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 people. Okay. What it says next. The Lord's bond servant. The Lord's bought servant. Okay. Must not quarrel. Okay, uh, I, I got. It. I get to the 
position in where I'm at in my life and my walk and the position that God has me in my I don't defend myself. Okay? Uh, what I've learned is, is it doesn't have any benefit to it um, because they're going to do what they're going to do and it ain't going to stop it. So I don't defend myself. Okay, it says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong. That should be in capital letters. Okay? But in that patience, you're going to do it with gentleness. Okay? Correcting those who are in opposition. Alright? Again, that goes back to, let me bring the Scripture to bear on what you're saying. Alright? Usually... Why? If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of truth. You see what they just said there? That's why I will not defend myself. Why? I can't bring anybody to repentance. It's impossible. It's impossible. I can't make you change. I can't make anybody change. I can't change your thinking. I can't change your attitudes. I pray for restoration. But I can't make you change. And it says, you pray that God, what? Grants them repentance. Please understand this text. He's not talking about lost people. He's talking about children of God. Look at the next verse. Children of God who may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. You got that? There are children of God in the body of Christ who are doing the will of Satan. They're captive by Satan. Now listen, if you've got a Christian who has been chained up by Satan to do his will in the body of Christ... What are you going to do to set that person free? Nothing. Nothing. <clears throat> That's an amazing text. Take it in light of those who are approved. Ducky Moy. Why? When the one came in doing the will of Satan into this person's life, what was their response? They didn't quarrel. In gentleness, they brought scripture to bear the situation, and they went to their knees to pray. For reconciliation. Okay, and you'll see him. Why? Because my flesh says, defend yourself. Defend yourself. Bring the scriptures down and just slap them in a bunch of little pieces. You can do it. You studied your Bible. Just get them. Okay, smile at them real big. Say, I've been praying for you, brood of vipers. Okay. I have several stones in my office. That I picked up in the, the, the river where David went down to meet with Goliath. It's my stones for the Philistines. Okay, I've got five of them because that's what David had. I should have got 500 because I have all the Philistines at times. Don't you see? Do you see what I'm getting at? We want to defend ourselves, don't we? He says, don't quarrel. Why? Because what I'm doing in you will be manifest to others and the others will say, wow, did you see that? That's you, brothers and sisters. The adversity, the strife that you're in. Do you understand it's for your purification? Do you understand that you need to grab a hold of this? Why? Because God will literally use factions in the church so that we who are saved, we who have been entrusted with the ministry of the gospel, will see who can be counted on. 
entrusted with the gospel. Paul says something about being approved. And there are ones whom Christ will entrust that ministry. Please understand that. Until they have been approved, would you trust them with the ministry? I mean, this thing, when I studied this, this thing fed me my lunch. I kept thinking all these people had all these grandiose plans and they all ended up mad and gone and all the rest of it. I'm sitting there going, well, what was I thinking? You keep bringing them and then boom, and I just make them mad and I'm thinking that I should go back to digging ditches. And he said, no. He says, what you're doing is you're looking at the people. Quit looking at the people and I'll show you the ones that I have docimoid. And those, why? I, listen to this. Second Timothy is discipleship. Okay? And he tells Timothy, young pastor, do this. Entrust this truth to who? Faithful men. Okay? How many in the body of Christ today say, you need to pursue me? The pastor needs to call me. Why doesn't he come and have a barbecue with me? Why doesn't he do... People, I've I made this statement before and I'll see if I can clarify it this day. <clears throat> I tell people I don't counsel. I don't have counseling. Okay, this church has grown enough that part of it is that it doesn't need counseling. Okay, but the truth of the matter is when I teach, what am I doing? Counseling. So what I do is I said, I'm going to make this as easy on you guys as I can make it. I'm going to teach on Sunday morning. I'm going to teach on Sunday night. I'm going to teach on Monday night. I'm going to teach on Tuesday night. I'm going to teach on Wednesday night. And I'm going to come together on Friday night for prayer. If you would like to be faithful, come on down. But see, that's completely against what we teach. Why? Because my flesh says, I want you to act like you care. You got to show me something here. All right. And then what I learned was, is that, okay, I'll cross that border and I'll go in there and I'll chase these people and I'll act like I care and I'll do all this stuff. And they walk up to me and shoot me. And I'm sitting there going, wow, I'm glad I did that. That was wonderful. What a blessed time. I remember we have a study called Fundamentals of the Faith. And I used to have all these people saying, I want to be in it. 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 Guess what? They'd all start. We'd do two weeks and I'd never see them again. I mean, literally ever again. Boof, vanished, raptured. I don't know what happened to them. And I kept thinking, is it the book? What is up with this? Why? They claim to be faithful, but under the test, they were not approved. They were not approved. As an elder, as an overseer, as a, as a shepherd, I look to and I look for people to give ministry to. Okay? But what I've learned is, is that I need to see who God is moving in, not who is moving for God. Sensitive to what God is doing and through whom God is doing. Faithful men, Paul told Timothy. And one of the very obvious ways to see these people, these docimoid people, is ones who rise to the top is because how they respond to difficulty in the body of Christ. How they handle it. How do they handle the problems? How do they handle the struggles? How do they handle disagreements? How do they handle the trouble? Okay, and let me tell you something. You bring a bunch of people together in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have trouble because there's some people who don't want that. The ones that are suited for service will be manifest. Why? Because God approves them. I believe with all my heart that some of the reasons that uh, people 
uh, washout or burnout or whatever they call an effective ministry for Christ, even pastors, is because uh, they, they can't stand the test of struggles and strife. We all want a church that comes together and they all have big old bed of roses. We're all smiling and happy and kumbaya together. Okay? That's great. Absolutely. I'd like to see that. It doesn't exist. Okay? And if it does, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong. They can't handle what it is to be in the Spirit. Back to our text. He says, I believe that there are divisions in you. Why? They are necessary, he says. They are necessary. They are evident among you. Why? The approved, the dokimoi will be approved. Okay? In James chapter 1, verse 12, James chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Blessed is a man who endures temptation. Why? He will be dokimoi, approved. So you'll see schisms and you'll see tests. Trials, tribulations. So another way to see the approved is one goes through a temptation and comes out on the other side victorious. How do we do with temptation? Look around. Look around. Who is approved saints? Look in this fellowship. Think about the people that you minister with. Perhaps you're not ministering. Perhaps you're not approved. Perhaps you're not able to overcome the struggles. Perhaps you're not able to endure the testing, the tempting, the temptations. The Takimoi. Listen, you can take 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. And they went out from us because they were not of us. They went out. Why? They weren't approved. They weren't approved. See, trouble drives some out. Some are disqualified. Some, when they leave, they literally will manifest that they are not Christians. You know, I was looking at the, the guys who ordained me, my ordination certificate, and the guys who brought me in as the pastor. You know, 50% of them have, uh, are no longer showing any fruit at all of being Christians. These are the guys who took this church from a congregational leadership, brought it into elder rule, and later were disqualified. Okay, and in one case, I know for a fact that they're not saved. Okay, and yet they did what? They ordained me. Well, how goofy were they? <laughs> okay, sometimes you see that. Sometimes people prefer to be disqualified. You do not want to be used in ministry. I don't want to do nothing. I'm going to sit here and, and contemplate my narcissistic navel. <laughs> I love that. Okay, that's what it is. I'm self-absorbed. I don't want to do this. Okay, some aren't saved. Some aren't saved. Some come to Jesus Christ as the genie in the bottle. What are you going to do for me today? You know what? This hurts. But I also rejoice because it purifies. See? The true church is in a process of purification. It will have factions. And it's going to have temptations. Right? In order that the people approved might rise to the top and be seen. This should be encouraging. I'm encouraged by this. Okay? It's just literally got rid of a lot of my burden. Instead of looking around thinking, who can do this or who can do this? I ain't doing nothing. God, show me the approved. Okay? And I'll plug them in. But I ain't doing nothing until you show me their fire. Okay? Put them through the fire. Squeeze them good and tight. Whatever comes out, I'll know whether to run from it or, you know, hey, it's looking good. 
Okay? And then you guys are saying, man, my pastor's praying for me. I'm feeling better already. They approved my rise to the top. They proved themselves. Now then, I want to give you the negative side, and I'll let you go do your homework on it. Okay? If you believe that it is your responsibility in the body of Christ to be the purifier, okay? My job, my goal, my giftedness, my purpose is to stir dissension so that Terry gets to see who's rising to the top. I have some text for you. Okay? I am looking and will continue to the day that I, my faith becomes science to look for people who have proven themselves spiritually capable and spiritually responsible. Okay, but I'll tell you this. You write these texts down, you can go look at them. I'm just going to go over them quickly because I don't want to. I'm, I'm encouraged by this. Titus chapter 3 verse 10. It says, you admonish those who are factious. You admonish them again. If they refuse to change, you treat them as an unbeliever. Okay? Why? We're dealing with the purity of the church. Matthew chapter 18, verse 7. It says, understand, divisions will come. Heresies will come. And Jesus himself uses the word woe. To the one, the offense comes. To faction. The word woe there is cursed. Okay? Luke's gospel, chapter 17, verse 1. Okay? He says, anyone would cause us faction, anyone a schismato to these little ones, it would be better that he had a millstone tied around his neck and thrown into the sea. So if you think that your gift is to cause these problems, then Titus chapter 3 verse 10 is for you. Matthew 18 verse 7 is for you. Luke 17 1 is for you. And if that isn't enough to scare the bejesus out of you, you need to get saved. Okay? So understand this. I see people say, well, I'd like to have more people. I would too. I would love to see more people. But let me ask you a question. You who are gathered here today, if God doubled it tomorrow, next Sunday, what you have today is double. Are you going to be dependable? Are you going to be dokimoi? of God that you could take double the people which means double your labor is that what you want because you double the people you're going to double the problem guaranteed you know my belief is that if the church is complete then it should be sent out and we can get her down to nothing I win okay now this last six months I'm thinking that I'm way ahead of that curve I'm really accomplishing a lot, ain't I? Okay. But I want you to think about this because it says factions are there. Why? It is necessary in the will of God that they be there. Don't let them pervert your unity at the Lord's table because this is the perversion that he's speaking of. Don't let them pervert that. Why? When you come to the Lord's table, you should be of one mind. You should be of one judgment. You have been one opinion. If you're not... The faction is seen. But understand this. Those who are duckymoid, those are also seen. Those are the ones who will not quarrel. They will pray and they will be entrusted with the ministry of the gospel. 
That freaks me out. I mean, I eat that up. Why? Approved by God? Approved by God. Think about that for a second. I'm just approved by God. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty approved him, her. But know this, he's going to test the metal. He's going to test the metal. And it might be a wine press. It might be a fire. It might be a Philistine. Okay? But he says, you know what? When you come to my table, you're saying, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live for Christ. So what can you do to offend me? I'm dead. I need not defend myself. I don't have to do any of that. Why? All I have to do is say, Lord, keep showing me the approved and let me have an understanding the ministry that that person needs. Let's tell them the guys in the leadership class. We don't ordain elders. God does. My prayer is I'm smart enough to appoint them. Okay? I can't ordain anybody. You don't want me to. If you knew, uh, if you knew what your pastor and who he had picked and thought could do this and this and this and how my record of success was, you guys would all leave and go find a priest because, because I can't even go through all the people that God has brought into my life that I knew God was bringing them so that they could do this and this and this and this and this and it never happened. I'm still waiting for the first success, actually. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I know. All right. But if you knew, and part of my problem has been I was looking at the people, not the approved. Let them be approved of God. And when they are approved of God, guess what? Every one of you is seeing. Every one of you is seeing. But understand this. Factions are there. Don't, brothers and sisters, don't let it pervert your time at the Lord's table. Okay, let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for this time, for your word and the amazing things you have done. Lord, may we continue to press on to the upward calling of Christ. Father, Dockey Moore, Lord, and how you press that on my soul. Thank you that there are those who are approved in the ministry of the gospel. Lord, let us walk worthy to your praise and to your glory. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>